and appointing manager at all. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that in itself is a bit crazy. The reason I had you look up the, the win percentage stats, by the way, is because when we come to ask why you even got the job in the first place, it's hilarious when you've got the win stats next to you. Because you're just like, he yeah, failed horribly. <laughs> He's doing shit at Mould. He was horrible at Cardiff. And he did win He did win Mould uh, their first ever league, didn't he? But that was in his first spell. Yeah, but even so, that was years and years before he was appointed. And it's in the Norwegian league. Yeah, I reckon we've got half a chance of winning the league over there. <laughs> we get Kinsuke Honda. We're flying. We'll point well. We're like flying, uh, flying over there. One of a left foot. Oh God! God! Can't see behind what a player. He went to he went to Milan, which is a shame because I loved Kentucky Honda and I love playing as Milan on every FIFA, but he was not made for that club. Oh, I thought you were talking about between our last pod and this pod, the last time we spoke about him. No, no. Milan are doing very well, but of course their golden years were when they had Gianpaolo Panzini, Mike, as you well know. I do well know this. You play for both Milan clubs, Inter too. God, it was dark in Italy for a while, let me tell you. I like that. I like that. Do you remember Matri that used to play for Milan? He was he woeful. won the league title with you, Juve. I know, but he's a woeful player. I don't know how he had that career. playing the won the league like, title game. We'll put out some crackers. Can't That's we? my favourite one, though. That's, one of my favourite things is that Anderson won, won as many Premier League titles as he did. This is brilliant. Because How many did he win? I think it was four. Three or four, isn't it? Four? I'm so now go googling four. Anderson, our midfield I position. I think he's got a Champions League too. He does have a Champions uh, League. Yeah, he will do. He's only thirty-three. Bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> will, oh, please just slip at that and throw it in the pod. Oh, this is all in. Good. I had a questionable hacker earlier, lads. This is still in the box. You did, or Anderson? No. Anderson. I'm just saying. He's a bit like. Oh, you've gone very short on the top. Yeah, I know. He wasn't supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm freezing in the bloody coldest time of the year. Get get yourself a get yourself one of these, Dave. For for audio listeners, Mike is holding up the hat that is on his Twitter. If you want to go see it, it's multi. It's on my Twitter, yes. <laughs> what Dave needs, one yeah, of these. You put that hat on, you're extremely warm. They've currently extremely. got a sale on. Have they? Yeah. Who's got a sale on Mike? I don't know. No, they don't get any free promotion. Come on. Yeah, we gave him enough last time. Play the game. Come on. <laughs> Steve, right. if you're listening, please sponsor us. Yeah, you and Cafe Rouge. Do you remember when we were chilling for Cafe Rouge? I mean, I'd be I'm fuming that their their branch in Solihull's gone. It's terrible. Where isn't am it? I going to get these fries from now? The I'm best. Going all the way to Birmingham for the them. best fries, bar none. Yeah, I'd agree with that. What? All right, we'll get to the the big news of the week in a bit. Of all, of all the fast food places, which one has the worst fries? Worst. Because what? Uh, between so where Mackey's, Burger King, KFC. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well I, yeah, yeah. Where Five Guys? Uh, Five Guys. I think I think KFC's are the worst. Personally. Yeah, I think KFC's are the uh, worst. Sorry, just saying if we're 
Fortunately, they've got the gravy, so it doesn't. Yeah, the gravy is well. KFC's fries terrible. Yeah, I think it's Starchy. Awful. Anyway. Unpopular opinion. I, I like the old fries, but no one else seemed to, so. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember these fries. Talk me through it. it it's been a while. I Honestly, I can't remember them, but I, I remember that I did like <laughs> You can't them. remember them, but you know you prefer I, I knew I liked them, but no one else did. That's, that's where I am. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was we were completely off the rails. Um, I was in uh, I was I was in Greg's. I'd rather talk about this than <laughs> I, I was in Greg's this lunchtime getting a getting a coffee. Um, and well, Greg's coffee, by the way, perf- quite nice. Does, does a job <laughs> on a cold day, let me tell you. Um, but they were they were offering these wedges, and you know when you look at a wedge yeah. and you just know that that it's going to taste like your mouth is just full of a balloon of potato. Yeah. 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 Any anything that you see in one of those hot cabinets that's a wedge, do not buy it. Yeah. I don't, no. like, wed- I don't like wedges at all. No, neither. No, at least if they're fresh, they they can be acceptable. But when they've just been sat there dying on like a <laughs> under, under a hot light, just I think well, I you're think right. More, a balloon of starch is is what you get. The more potato in the the wedge fry chip situation, the worse it is as a yeah. whole. Like I went to the chippy the other day and I had a, chip. I had a, I had a chip, <laughs> and it was and honestly you bit into this thing and it was like eating just a bloody jacket potato. Jacket potato. It was that big. <laughs> Disgusting it was. I felt like I was making my way through it. Anyway. Anyway. Any chips? Well, yeah, just the one chip actually. Yeah, just the one, pal. Been for years, the size of Gibraltar. Um, okay. Uh, what you see, we're gonna have to get used to talking like this because um, uh, now Ollie's gone, we've lost one of our three favourite topics on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've got nothing to talk about got, now. We like, we like Brighton. <laughs> we don't like Arsenal, and we think Ollie should be sacked. There we are. I also hate right. Spurs. Yeah, we don't like Spurs. We don't like Spurs either. Anyway, um. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Around Podcast. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is um, you already know Dave, a very cold David Harris. Um, yeah. Dave, um, Mike is the uh, Mike's also here, uh, number one sports fan for Joel Lynch or whatever. Um, which can we? Can I just say we get, what a wow? We would get what a like, performance. I've got, a, I've got a question for you, as as our betting connoisseur. Um, what odds are you giving me on Dave touching his head in an awkward manner <laughs> at least 25 times on this podcast? But, uh, over under, I think, I think he's odds on surely to do that. He's already done it a few times. I've seen. Uh-huh. Yeah, Dave, have you ever thought about shaving it all off? Because everyone's thought about shaving off all their hair. Yeah, I have before. I reckon you'd be a good bold. Yeah, I mean, you're almost there as it is. I know. If it does seriously start to, to, go, to go wrong, <laughs> it, is just, it is just all turning off. I decided that a long time ago. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I just want, I just want like, I, 
I have very few dreams in life other than becoming us becoming world famous for this podcast, talking about Greg's. Um, but one of the dreams I do have in life is that you do end up shaving it all off. And then me and Mike are drunk in the pub. We start rubbing your head like it's a genie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's content, that is. Oh, dear. Eight minutes into this podcast, by the way. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Oh, I'll bear that in mind, Will, if it ever happens. Thanks. Uh, we've only really got one topic this week, and it's all about United, and Ollie being sacked, which is excellent. But first, um, Mike, I read a piece in The Athletic, which, congratulations, by the way, for getting back into your account. But um, it said that Eddie Howe spotted... I will read it. Eddie Howe spotted something in Joe Linton. Did you spot anything this weekend with Joe Linton? Well, it was a man-of-the-match display from him, in fairness, this weekend. Um, Yeah, looked a lot more confident on the ball. Um, He actually kind of looked up for the game, which is the first time I've seen that in in some time. Scored his goal. It was a a nice finish, smart finish. He probably should have won the game uh, in the final final ebbs. Uh, Lost his footing as he cut inside to, to finish it. But, yeah. No, it's it's exactly what I expected from the new Firmino when he arrived, and he's finally uh, definitely finally under a manager who believes in him, which is something you love to see. Joking apart, Jolinson might be good. Doubt it, but you never know. If Jolinson's good, he's going to ruin our bit. Yeah, gonna, well, we might have to stop the report. Yeah, if he starts, if Joel Linton starts like second coming of Rivaldo or something, we're going to be in real trouble over here. I'll move on to the Carl Darlow report because he is a waffler. A waffler. What's happened to Dubravka? I don't know. I don't know. He was injured for ages, and then Bruce was on the bench. So he, sh- but that first goal that he conceded yesterday was an absolute travesty. No, that down, ladies and gentlemen. Hosts ask panel what happened to player. Panel admits that they don't know. <laughs> the first Welcome of many today. Back to the in the round podcast. Welcome back to the in the round podcast. Um, let's start with Ollie going to Solskjaer. Ollie is gone. He's no longer. Ollie going to Solskjaer? Is that what um, we're this podcast? That is looking like it. <sighs> kind of like. um. I was thinking earlier today, his career at Man United, kind of a bit like Kanye West's music career. Um, people were surprised when he came around, started strongly, peaked in Paris, and um, then became a disaster. Mike, your thoughts? Not on the Kanye music. <clears throat> uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much spot on. They, uh, they obviously gave him the job as an interim till the end of the season which funnily enough, they're now looking for an interim till the end of the season to replace him with. Um, he did a pretty good job at the start. I think went 10 or 11 or something in a row, including that game, crazy game in Paris. Uh, and obviously Rio Ferdinand's comments on BT, which were fantastic. Which were bad as soon as he made them, by the way. Lost in, yeah. lost in the shuffle, bad as I'm soon sure as that- I'm sure that, that video does the rounds almost weekly, especially these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since then, uh, it's been decent getting rid of some of the players that we probably needed to. We still don't. I feel like we don't sell enough players, but that's not to do with Solskjaer. Um, yeah, it's been awful recently. Really, really bad. 
Are you shocked he's gone now? Uh, in what sense? I think they wanted to make it to the end of the season, but I mean, you can't really carry on like this. You've, <clears throat> their their aim is is top four, isn't it? So the further away we get from that, I mean, getting pumped by you can't. You just can't get beaten 4-1 by Watford. And in the manner as well. It wasn't like it was not a 4-1 game. It, it actually was a 4-1 game. Because rock bottom to me, and I know they're a good side, but losing 5-0 at home to your rivals before the international break is rock bottom to me. He should have gone after Liverpool, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's my opinion. Well, yeah. you've heard my opinion that he probably should have gone a while ago, but he definitely, you can't lose 5-0 to Liverpool as the Man United manager. No, can't. Dave, um, do you think it was the the manner of the loss to Watford? Do you think if it was a close two one loss to Watford, he sort of soldiers on for a bit longer? He soldiers on, perhaps. Dave's gone, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Uh, I uh, got my opinion, Will. <laughs> I, I was about two sex. Dave says. Um, We're going to keep this in, ladies and gentlemen, because first we lose Dave and then we lose his head. <laughs> it's got frostbite. <laughs> no, go on, Mike. Give me your opinion. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he had to win that game and probably he had to win it well as well to keep his job. I don't know. I think if he loses his two loses two one, I think he soldiers on. I think there was something about the yeah, way it was lost. I don't know, but it, it's clear. It was clear as day to me that. <laughs> If they they'd have played like that and lost 2-1, I think the result's the same. Really? I I do think that. I, they were so bad. They, I mean, Maguire, his sending off was, was appalling. Um, Lindelof, his defending for, I think it was the third goal, maybe the fourth as well. It's just pathetic. I mean, he's not even trying to block the ball, really. He's just kind of... Almost, it's almost like he's so worried about giving a penalty away that he won't even get near the guy. You've got Bruno Fernandes for the penalty. I have no idea what he's doing. McTominay gets in a horror, horror position, uh, brings him down. De Gea obviously saves the penalties, uh, but he was at fault. I mean, that third goal, you can't be getting beat like that. And he seems to be getting beaten like that a lot these days near the, near the post. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just awful individual performances all around the pitch, which has been happening now for a prolonged period. And I think if they, even if it was only two-one, I think, I think he, whether he would have gone, maybe you're right, because the they didn't want to sack him, but <clears throat> they What's, were abysmal. Obviously, results results aren't good this season at all um but that said last season season before last let's not forget ollie did finish second um finished second last season less good finish but still finished third um decently far in the cup competitions then i mean they lost in the final in the europa league um which, which, dull game bad game bad performance um but again. what's really what do you think changed kind of like on the this season when you watch United on the tactical side of things? Because you did get a sense that Oli, towards the end of last season, was building a kind of... They were attacking with pace in a low block. and they, Well, they were in like a mid to low block and then they were breaking with pace with these quick, skillful players. And it was working for them. What, yeah, what, it was, it was working. working. I, get, I, think, I think what you're trying to get at is obviously the Ronaldo signing. 
Um, oh, you mean the one that cost him his job? Yes, I am trying to get to that. Yeah, yeah. So you you have to stick Ronaldo up top, which means mm-hmm. now you're not playing with three or four fast attacking players for, for the likes of Bruno to find or to put in behind. Um, I think they looked very confused. I mean, De Gea even said in his interview after the after the Watford game, we, we don't know how to defend and we don't know what to do with the ball going forward. They they really look like a team that doesn't know how to do either either thing. Mm. And half the time they don't even look like they uh they don't even look like they know what, what they've they never met each other. I mean, yeah. honestly, it is bizarre. They look totally lost. I think the fact that they can't link defence to attack, I don't want to leap on the same talking points, but I don't know about you, Dave, but it doesn't matter what manager United have, that midfield is in such a shambolic state that I don't know what someone coming in would be able to do with it. Yeah, I think it's obviously the problem that, I mean, obviously you've got Bruno Fernandes, who everyone knows his quality. Same, I mean, same with Pogba, not that he shows it enough. Uh, but then the players you need to do, like the dirty work you like in the midfield, McTominay and Fred, are just not good enough. Like, they're just not Man United players, but somehow they were playing week in, week out. And to be fair, it doesn't see many other options. I mean, Van der Beek, to be honest, uh, I'm sure we'll come on to it about signings and stuff anyway, but surely some of the performances Fred and McTominay have put in, you'd think Van der Beek... These deserved more of a shot. It was almost very funny that he almost saved Solskjaer's job at the weekend. Well, it's fitting he scored the last goal under Solskjaer's reign, I think, to be honest. Um, That that fits the narrative better, doesn't it? But it is true, Well, I don't know what any... I don't know what any manager can do with that current crop of midfield to, to sort of save them in the transition because the players you need transition, they're just not good enough. I mean, to be honest, Matic is probably still better than those two, but he just can't get around the pitch. He was shocking at, on, at the weekend. But yeah, I'd agree. I, I think he's still a good option, despite his lack of legs. Mm-hmm. It's, fun, it's funny because, yeah, I think Dave's right in that whoever you bring in here, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult task to, to link your incredible, supposedly incredible forward talent with what should be a decent defence. Um, in the midfield. I mean, you kind of look at the example of Lampard to Tuchel. At least you knew there was class in every position at Chelsea. It's an interesting point. I, I don't think we did, though, because I, I'm not... Yeah, in, what did, what did you think around I'm that not in, in any, I was talking about this today, someone. I'm not in any way going to compare the two quality of the players. There were major question marks over Jorginho and Kovacic. Yeah. I mean, some idiot... Yeah, maybe it is a better comparison than I thought, then. Some idiot went on a podcast and said you'll never win the Champions League playing Jorginho. No, I, don't idiot, I don't know who that would be. Um, but that said, I mean, there was no question that even if you'd asked me back then who I thought was better out of Jorginho, Fred and Kovacic and McTominay. It wasn't Fred. Fred and McTominay. Um, and... <laughs> but... I am int- I do think there is some point of the fact that in this age where man- managers are more important than ever, like one of the ways Pep Guardiola ruined football 
was that he made foot, he micromanaged football to such an extent that you have to sort of do what he does and to just even stand a chance at winning. So, like, you think about Alex Ferguson. What was Alex Ferguson's attacking philosophy? We attack with... I think I'm going to be really reductive now, OK? I'm going to be really reductive. But his was just that we attack quickly with pace down the wings. That was essentially it. Whereas you look at what what's Klopp's style, and you can just, well, it's... Well, he does this, he does this, he does this, he does all these little tactical tweaks. What does Pep do? Well, Pep does this, he does all these tactical tweaks now. And now it's really important to have a manager who is so tactically astute that he can compete with these guys. And that's when you, so like when you see a a Tuchel come in and he's automatically successful, when you see an Antonio Conte come in and he starts to gain a bit of success, that's the importance of having these top level managers. And even Oli had those great moments and, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's great selling point is his connection with your club, that emotional connection. But he was never the right man to take United from fourth to second to first. It's hard. I think it's easier to jump from fourth to second than it is to go from second to first. And I just never thought he had the tactical nows to match those other guys. No, I mean, we've known that the whole time, haven't we, really? I mean, really, we have. Yeah. And you kind of, as a United fan, you hope that, because it would be amazing if a club legend like Ollie could lead you to a title or whatever. It's kind of like you're doing your maths A level. You need to get an A to get in to your to your desired university. And your favourite PE teacher walks in and he goes, I'm going to teach you maths A level. You have a great time. You want to do well. You want to work really hard. You end up with a B, but you don't get the A you want because he's not quite clever enough to get you to do the things you need to do to reach your absolute full potential that's Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer for you in a nutshell he's done a great job at probably massaging some of the the players after Mourinho's bruising tenure and that shouldn't be forgotten but Rashford Rashford for example made massive strides under Ollie, but Rashford is not the killer superstar that he has the potential to be and could an elite coach coach that extra bit out of him? Let's hope he can. <laughs> You're not getting an elite coach. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, we're shopping in the, the tier below still. You are. Well, I mean, Solskjaer's f- much further down that pecking order as far as as managerial quality goes. But yeah, I mean, we're looking at what? Ten Hag, Poch, uh, Sedan. Oh, those, those are good managers. That's not what you're going to get, but those are good managers. <laughs> um, that better be, we better get one of those three. There. Um, so in terms of talking about things that have gone wrong, one of the b- most baffling things to me is United's defence. Because, and I know it stems a bit from the midfield as well, but I can't quite understand the drop-off in form. And I was wondering what you guys made of the drop-off in form and how much of the blame is to be laid at the manager's feet versus how much is the blame is to be laid at the individual player's feet. Um, I mean, obviously, when the individual is making those mistakes, I always feel anyway. I mean, the only chance really where any mistake like that can be blamed on a manager is if he's thrown like a young player into something too early. That obviously hasn't ever been the case at Man United in their defence. Um, not under Solskjaer anyway. I don't really... 
obviously the the horror shows you have to blame on the players you know they're they're better than that if they're making horror mistakes individual mistakes i'm not sure what a coach can do however what he can do is if they keep messing up maybe just drop them don't keep playing them give someone else a chance like because for example harry maguire how many times has he made stupid mistakes he's let the team down he's supposed to be your captain it's hard to drop your captain but if he keeps not showing if he keeps letting the team down maybe it's time to give someone else a chance i think that side of things yes you can blame on the coach at the end of the day these players are good enough to not be making stupid mistakes if it obviously every everyone makes mistakes if someone has a one-off bad error, maybe you keep them in the team. But some of these players, time and time again, Lindelof, Maguire, by even when he's played. But most of the time, Lindelof, how often did we see Lindelof and Maguire playing again the week after they'd had an absolute clangor? They're not going to learn, are they, if they never lose their spot in the team? And then the players around them aren't going to cause any competition because they know however hard they train they're not they're not going to get a look in so that side you can blame on him as far as i'm concerned yeah ollie definitely trusted certain players and they they've kind of let him down a little bit so i think seven out of the starting 11 played in the city liverpool leicester and watford defeat something like that uh, and i would imagine most of the, most of the back four were the same i mean you look at yeah Dave's used the Maguire example. I think Luke Shaw's a good one. He's got Tellez sat there behind him. Luke Shaw's six one, by the way. <laughs> thanks for thanks for pointing that out, Will. Huge six um, one. Ivan Tony smaller than him. That is five ten. He's five wow. ten. Luke Shaw's six wow. one. Sorry. I'm I'm gone. Uh yeah. Yeah. T- I mean Tellez is sat there behind him. I don't know what he has to do to get in the to, I mean, to even get a game. Maybe um, try defending a paperback? Yeah, I mean, Luke, Luke Short's struggling to do that at the moment himself. So, the set pieces. Good point. But Tellers can put in the set pieces. Uh, and then on the other side, obviously, you've got Dallow, quite an attacking right back, particularly in comparison to Wambasaka, um, who you would think would make quite a nice wing back, Dallow, but he didn't even manage to get that role. Wambasaka's played every. Every minute of the in the Premier League this season for United, uh, it would be nice. Even just, I mean, it, it, both of them kind of look like they need to get out of the firing line for a bit. Shaw's been struggling with concussions and his form, and Wambasaka, as I've said plenty of times, can't pass the parcel. So, um, yeah, I think there's. There's a lot. There's been a lot of individual errors, but like the Maguire one in particular, he came back from injury. Me and Will were talking about this before the pod. He came back from injury too soon because Solskjaer didn't trust anyone else. Um, lost all his confidence by playing terribly then. And then, I mean, that is dribbling out against Watford. Got him sent off. He just looks like a man totally out of confidence, apart from uh, when he's in an England shirt. Apparently, he's got loads. Well, I think it might be because he trusts his manager at England level. He trusts his manager. He feels supported. He doesn't feel like he's been asked to do something he can do I, I mean the whole Harry Maguire incident like Ooh. Harry Maguire's a very very good player I mean he's he's got a couple of no really noticeable flaws though and 
you as as a manager you've got to do your best thing to sort of protect him from himself at times um but the fact that he was allowed to carry on playing by Oli, really bad management i thought i mean I'm shocked that Dallow didn't get a look in a right wing back, particularly when you're not asking him to do as much defending. But yeah, <laughs> Dallow being upset at his game time this season is hilarious. <laughs> go so watch the buy a right back. Go, go watch the Villarreal game. <laughs> like Dan yeah, Juma got apart by Dan Juma, yeah. <laughs> really funny though. Um, but what I would say is. I agree that the players do have to have some level of culpability. I mean, for Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire, long summer, they've barely had any time off in like the past year and a half or whatever. So it's bound that mental fatigue and just general fatigue is going to catch up to them at some point. What I would say, though, is it's not to borrow an Antonio Conte quote, but he's like he's like a coach, he's like a tailor and they have to make the suit fit. And one of the really clever things you saw that Tuchel do at Chelsea was notice that when Jorginho is in absolute acres of open space and people can run around him, he's a less effective player. So what did he do? He put the wing backs up there and he closed the space in the middle of the pitch. And you look at Harry Maguire, when he had his best form at Man United was when they played deeper and they were in that block that we talked about earlier and he had Luke Shaw to the left of him. But it didn't matter because they were they were deeper he wasn't having to turn and run past people but now they're trying to play a bit further up the pitch to accommodate Ronaldo um you're seeing the you're seeing him get exposed more regularly so that's what definitely not as comfortable is he no and I, I think the coach has to the coach has to take some thought of that but again Man United the way the way you would expect Man United to play you ask yourself the question, is Harry Maguire a good fit for that front foot style? And it's the same with the Wan-Bissaka signing. You ask yourself, he's a good player, but is he the right fit for Man United? He could have had a great career at Crystal Palace. So, at what point do we accuse Ronaldo of murdering Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's career? Um, Genuine question. <clears throat> yeah, but don't you think with Solskjaer he'd already bottled enough big games and stuff that he was already ticking towards no the time bomb? Don't you think? No, I I think I think he, he might have been for everyone else. <laughs> I think Solskjaer had finally figured not out for, not for Man United's board. Do you think? Well, go on, Will. I don't think Solskjaer's a good coach. I always think he was doomed to fail at United. I do think there's something... Uh, it's kind of like when we talked about the Lampard sacking, whereas I, my anger with the Lampard sacking was as much that you didn't let him try what he wanted to try in the end. And it's the same with Solskjaer, really. They spent two years fluttering their eyes madly at Jane Sancho, like he, like it was four o'clock in a nightclub and they'd, Ollie had had too much to drink and he was the last one in there. Like, he was like... And then when they finally got Jane Sancho, who was going to be the creative hub of this team, find runners in Greenwood, Rashford and Fernandez, and probably be a really potent attacking force. They were like, oh, balls, let's sign this ageing Ronaldo who stylistically does not fit with the rest of the squad. So you never really saw the way Oli wanted to play this season. You just saw a bloke who all of a sudden had a Ronaldo who makes your team I'm not saying Ronaldo's not an unbelievable player, but there's a reason Ronaldo's Juve teams declined from being some of the best teams in Europe to being nearly runs. 
there's a reason. You have to play a certain way, and the fact of the matter is, it it'll win you games, but it won't win you Champions Leagues or even league titles anymore, probably. Yeah, there. Were, I think Will Will and Dave, you Dave, you're both right in that he was never gonna win a title at United. He was always gonna get. He was gonna have to move on at some point. But the reason I don't think it would have been is yeah, this three-year contract that they decided to give him in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> they did not want to. They did not want to sack this guy. True. Whether they thought he was the right man or whether it was because he was a, a good yes man for the Glazers, they did not want to sack this guy. Who? Um, <laughs> Who were they bidding against? Yeah, I know. Why not give him a year? No yes. one's gonna. You know, if someone came along and if like Wigan came along and were like, right, we'll give Ollie and Solskjaer a five-year contract. He made United. You're like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, crack on. You're gonna have to. <laughs> where's the Where's the nearest school? We we'll get a PE teacher. Come along, here you go. <laughs> oh, get yeah, home, I mean, but... yeah, I mean, you look at Champions League winner Tuchel gets two years. Pep won the league two years, and we give Solskjaer three years for what? For what? Mm, which is bizarre. Honestly, it's just woeful stuff. I'd... I mean, the fact that he had three years in total is pretty wild as it, as it is. But to then give him a new contract after you lost the Europa League final. Bizarre, isn't it? What are we doing here, guys? Dave, I mean, the the timing of the sacking coming after the international break is bizarre too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if they if they wanted rid of him, um, or, well, like you say, to be honest, after losing 5-0 to Liverpool, that, that should have been his last game. I mean, perfect time to get rid of rid of someone. Try and get someone else in as soon as possible. They at least Even have a Villa beat. and Norwich managed better. Players. Yeah, yeah, I know. Villa and Norwich did it, and and guess what? They won their games. Uh, probably both Villa, both Villa and Norwich have a better manager too. Yeah, but also it, it makes sense the person gets in, they get to know the squad. I mean, admittedly, with Man United, for example, a lot of that squad's probably on international duty. But still, we get the manager gets embedded into the club, gets to sort of get a feel for things before a first game. Now you've got to rush someone in when the fixtures are about to get. They already are very with Europe and stuff, thick and fast. But even more eleven so in games in forty period. days for Man United. Sorry, yeah. don't interrupt you. Oh, sorry. But, I mean, that that's the thing. Now you've got a manager who's going to come in, doesn't really have time to implement anything, uh, and also got to get results at the same time. It, it's not really setting someone up to have any real preparation, is it? So it doesn't really make sense why you let them hang on for a Watford game. <laughs> Not yeah, now we've, key, now we've got a key Champions League game being managed by Michael Carrick. <laughs> it really is Ryan Mason all over again. It really is. I mean, seriously. And and he'll probably be in charge for Chelsea as well. Yeah, win that game. Sorry, can we, just, can we just appreciate that this is unrelated, but we need to slander them anyway. Tottenham had the chance at trophy for the first time in years and gave it to a guy who had no managerial experience. Can we just appreciate that? Last First thing on the job right. as a final. Oh, what were they thinking? Love that. Love that. Uh-huh. It's Tottenham for you. Uh, tweet of the week was um, uh, Tottenham put out a... <laughs> Tottenham... <laughs> 
trying to put out a video of Adele singing the Tottenham's yeah. song, and some comedian retweeted <laughs> it and went, no wonder all of her songs are about fucking crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, even on a United pod at their worst, Tottenham come out worse. Um, somehow. Somehow. Um, before we go any further, I think once he's in the job, he did a better job than we all thought he would do. I think that's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. And agreed. give him a bit of credit that United, um, like we mentioned earlier, development, really important for some of these young players. Um, quite a lot of similarities, really, to Lampard, although I would argue Lampard did a much better job, even if it was for a shorter time. Um, yeah, I think Ollie's done a good job as a, as a, a body of work over the whole period. I think he's done a decent job. And the, the club is almost certainly in a better position than it was when he took over. Mm. And that's about where it ends. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, if you've given it a rating out of 10. I don't know, six. It's probably that's why I was at six. Decent. The six. Um, we will talk about um, potential people coming in. But first, I want to ask you a question. Bruno Fernandes. Mm. Is he a good player under a good manager? Well, he's not good for Portugal. No. I don't, who's the Portugal manager? Is he a good manager? Yeah. Okay. I don't uh, know. Who watching their game at the Euros. I mean, personally, I, I've been getting more and more pissed off with Bruno Fernandes every time I watch him. Hmm. The, guy's, the guy's just flailing his arms around, not doing that much running. And when he does do some running, it's when he shouldn't be. And he's like, then he just wrecks the whole whatever the press idea is supposed to be he seems to just lose the plot sometimes yeah I mean I I understand that this guy's been brilliant for Man United and has got a ton of goal involvements but he is straight in his hell to watch do you know what he reminds me a little bit of and you're gonna have to stick with me here it's another it's another one of the do you remember when uh, you're taking your A-levels. You're taking your A-levels. <laughs> it's, it's football related, this stuff. Um, uh, Mourinho came back to Chelsea and Chelsea had two-time player of the year for them, uh, Juan Mata, playing in the number 10 role. And he'd scored 20 goals and got like 35 assists in the season. And Mourinho came along and was like, I'm going to have Oscar there at number 10 because I don't think we can win playing you at number 10, Juan Mata. And... Everyone was really upset, including me. I was very annoyed. And within a year, Chelsea had won a title. Yeah, that's I what it feels. That. That's what it feels like to me. And that's kind of how Bruno Fernandez feels like to me. There's this idea of he puts up raw numbers, like unbelievable numbers. But they are raw because there's nothing else. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. For every for every unbelievable goal scoring run, for every great long shot he converts there's about six that he misses there's about seven easy passes he misplaces it's really hard for a team to build an attacking rhythm with him because he's a maverick i'm not quite sure him and ronaldo don't seem to to fit well together at all no not at all that's for portugal and for man united no can we talk about how bruno fernandez tries the hollywood pass like mm-hmm. every single opportunity, we call that the Steven Gerrard the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's frustrating. It is very frustrating to watch. <clears throat> but I guess that's kind of what he's there to do, isn't it? 
But, I mean, that's everything was coming off when he first came in, and now it's not coming off as often, is it? Yeah, here's the fans. He's played so many games. The guy must be exhausted. He's not had a break in so long. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, That's can't, true as well. He could. De- the Bruno Fernandez normally plays better than this. Hundred percent agree with you. My question is more stylistically the way he wants to play. Can you ever be an elite elite team with him as your fulcrum? Because I, I feel have, I think you'd have to have two Cantes basically next I've, behind him or next to him. Because I, I feel like he I feel like he diminishes some of the other players by his sheer presence. Whether that's fair or not. I just well, think uh, it's probably true. Do, are you able to build a rhythm with him there? Well, I think it's difficult because he's always got these just crazy passes in him. That yeah. They just fly into the stands or uh, hit a hoarding board or something. I mean, it is difficult when you give it to build a rhythm when you give the ball away that often. But then, and, uh, and I will defend him a little bit, then he produces some moment of brilliance <laughs> out of nowhere. And you're like, well, I guess that's why we put up with the rest of this stuff. Hmm. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of this, so I'm maybe maybe I've been a bit harsher than most United fans would be, but I think, yeah. Well, I really liked him when he came in because he reminded me, the fact that he was a one-man show kind of reminded me a bit of Hazard in the middle of Chelsea. But and the diff, but I think the difference was when, again, when Mourinho came along and Hazard took that leap when Fabregas and Costa came in and learned how to play as a cohesive unit. Still the best player, but he learned how to be the best player on a really good team. Whereas Bruno Fernandes strikes, I keep wanting to do it. I keep wanting to say like an NBA thing where he's just one of these people that's, he's on a team that's like 20 and 62 and he's averaging 35 points a game and the points are useless and you're not winning anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm you sure in the Champions League and have been to finals, so maybe I'm being harsh, but that's how he feels to me. But Yeah, but what, yeah, what you need is a good output, but with, in a team that, around him is also putting up good numbers because he's a good part of the team basically like you're saying with Hazard he was still putting up numbers but also he'd worked out how to yeah, yeah fit with Costa and whoever else was going to fight the guy do you also think once Bruno gets frustrated he he just sort of throws his toys out the pram a bit yeah like he just he, he has been doing that the last two months. All I've seen is Bruno's hands just flailing around the pitch. He's played with Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, it, look, it does look like he's learned that one off Ronaldo. Yeah. Another thing Cristiano's done wrong. Yeah. It's a nice Instagram post he put up. Cristiano. Yeah. About what? About Solskjaer. No. Was it about how he received lots of lovely advice from him? I doubt it said that. I can't remember exactly what it said. Have you seen? Uh, by the way, where do you stand on the farewell interview? I don't know if you've seen it. You may not have done. I haven't. What's this? Uh, I think uh, it's. He may be the all-time only manager to ever do an interview after he's been sacked yeah, with the club really TV bizarre. channel. Really, really bizarre. Do you know what? I kind of rated it, especially especially given his status at, at Man United. Apparently, it was his idea as well. They didn't, like, force him to do it or anything. Apparently, it was his idea that he wanted to 
come and front up and say like thanks to the fans and the players and that? I thought it was just a massive PR exercise, just because Solskjaer is like a club legend. Yeah, that is the other. Yeah, he's a club legend. You know it's going to get retweets and that. He's messed up, and then he's like, "Oh, sorry, guys." And the club are like, "We'll give him this platform because we still want you to remember him as a legend." And Thank God they sacked him. <laughs> this man is a disgrace. How do you get sacked by a club and you're like, you're like, "Oh yeah, we'll do a farewell interview." It, you, I get sacked by a club. It could, it could be my favourite club. It could be my boyhood club. I'm gonna do the dignified thing, which is I'm gonna release a statement through the LMA. That's what everyone does, and that's what I'm doing. Chris Wilder did it. Sheffield United legend. What you'd do if you got sacked from your actual job there? Well, I was quite interested. <laughs> Releasing it through the elevator—that'd be interesting. <laughs> that's a, that's that is pathetic. That is absolutely pathetic, and a complete lack of killer instinct, which is why he would never—he would never be a top manager. That is pathetic. Fuck off, Ollie. So yeah, eleven minutes long. Eleven minutes long. But no, I I quite liked it because you I mean you could tell how much how much the club meant to him and that he he gave it his best and clearly if the club had, he if the club wasn't had meant, qualified for it. Look, if the club had meant that much to him, he would have left after the five 0 Liverpool. <laughs> He's getting paid right. seven and a half million in a payoff. He's worth about seven and a half pounds. <laughs> useless, useless twog. Let's is get that on the same to it. Prep meal deal. Yeah, it is. Ooh, God, it's a cheap prep meal deal. That is. Good at Greg's. We're outside of London here. Good at Greg's. Um, should he have had the job in the first place? Dave, have you got a stat for me about this? Uh, his win percentage I can give you, Well, Give me his win percentage for all of his previous clubs before you stop at United, please, David. So, at Molden, the first the first spell, he won 54.76%. That's in the world of City. In the Premier League, 30%. For Cardiff. Oh, actually, he did have a bit of the championship season there as well, but even so, 30%. Then Mould again, he got 55.93%. Interesting. Um, Mike, uh, the appointment of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, baffling. Yeah, I mean, it was at the time, wasn't it? (laughs) Like, to this day, no one's been able to explain it to me. Do you want to give it a go? Explain why he got the job or the technicality of a legend? I don't know, maybe the Rio Ferdinand video is doing so many numbers, they thought, let's just give United's PR team, and they're going, look at the engagement on this. Yeah, honestly, that. did you hear the interview with the, the PR bloke at United a couple no. of weeks ago? No. Oh, it's horror. It is yeah. horror. Is that, like, just... we've, got, we've got a bespoke strategy for each different player, and we like pull the numbers twice a day of their social media. To see how they're and like if if there's something going against them, we'll like build a strategy to turn the turn the news flow. Oh, it's a good job um, because, because United's players have never been more popular than they are now. <laughs> Honestly, it was a horrible interview. You were like, we all know it happens, but we just didn't want to hear it from you. <laughs> you didn't need to hear it. Um, as PR far as is that bought yeah. you a farewell address. Fuck off, Ollie. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, as far as him getting the job in the first place, I, I can't explain it because they said when he was into a manager that he was going to get it to the end of the season. When you say something like that, regardless of how well they perform and you're in, what, end of Feb, start of March? 
why give him the job? Even if he's won pretty much every game since he took over, there's no reason to give him the job because you said he's going to be there till the end of the season. And it's a club legend. It's not like he's just going to walk out if you don't give him the job in March. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. Here's the thing for me. Bit of sorry, I, I literally can't explain why he got the job to you, Will. Sorry. Bit, bit, no, I wasn't expecting you to. Bit of context, though. Like, it wasn't a particularly strong time for the league. Chelsea and Spurs and Arsenal were on a bit of a decline. Liverpool were looking good. City were looking dominant. Um, United had started really badly, but it was felt that the squad was actually pretty decent. It wasn't great, but it was pretty decent in comparison to the others. And yeah, he ripped off this unbelievable bit of form, including a, uh, shall we say, a lucky win in Paris. Um, And they just gave him the job. And I remember just being sat there going, why? Why would you give him the job? It's clear as day. Like as soon as soon as he was hired, he was favourite for the sack. Am I wrong? Is that true? No, he was in my head at least. I run a no. different sack race poll in my head, and always at the top is che- whoever Chelsea's manager is, and then it's Watford, and then it was Ali. Yeah, it, I mean baffling, just baffling. I don't. They so that. Giving Ollie the job meant that we, we missed out on Poch, who yep. they actually wanted. Yep. Because you'd given it to him full time. Um, and then this time they waited so long that they missed out on Conte, although I'm still not sure they'd have given the job to Conte anyway. I think they would have. I'm not. I, I'm still look, not convinced. Look, about if that. Conte managed to find an agreement with Spurs, he can find an agreement with United. <laughs> no, I, I just, I'm, not, I'm just not sure if. If the Glazers would have, would have actually given it to him, maybe they would have. They, I mean, they they don't know anything about football, so yeah, maybe they would have. But so you miss out on Conte, you miss out on Dean Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Fark still available. Oh yeah, Daniel progressive. That could be that could be a fun one. Get him a I, proper group of players. I'll let you know. There's nothing I would like more than United being relegated. Actually, that's Can a nice Spurs. Yeah, yeah come on. Get them down there. They've just built the new ground. Imagine that in the championship. It'd be <laughs> incredible. Harry Kane playing a fucking Birmingham City away. That'd be a real championship unreal. themes ground hosting the NFL. Oh yeah. yeah. Get in there. Fucking <laughs> great, wouldn't it? Um Right. Couple of options for who's coming up next. I want you to tell me who you want and who you think would be the best fit. The op the kind of the ones have been talked out. Ten Talked out, talked about Ten Hag, Zidane, the per- permanent, permanent one, permanent one. Zidane, Ten Hag, Pochettino, Brendan Rodgers. Who would be your ideal, and who's the most realistic? Do you think? I'd mm. like, I'd like Poch, and then I'd like Ten Hag. If we can't get Poch, who's realistic? Well, apparently Poch wants it. Apparently he wants it. So. That's yep. the rumour today, as of the 22nd of the 11th. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Apparently, Ten Hag also wants it. So that's... I've no idea. I mean, why w- why wouldn't you take the United job? But then, why <laughs> would you take this United job? There are 50 minutes of a podcast here. Where <laughs> yeah. Um, I think either of those are relatively realistic. If... Poch is serious. I don't know how easy it'll be to get him out of PSG. I think it'd be easier to get Ten Hag out of Ajax. Would be my guess. 
Dave? Yeah, I think, to be honest, what Ten Hag's done at, at Ajax, I think he would be pretty strong uh, in terms of like the way they play and stuff. I think he would be a good option. However, I think realistically, um, I think it's either going to be Brendan Rodgers or, or Zidane. Although I'm really not sure Zidane would even accept. So, to be honest, I think Brendan Rodgers... Uh, as long as he doesn't care too much about um, being Liverpool manager, which I doubt he will when Man United wave a fat check in his face, it's going to be Brendan Rodgers. Are we sure Brendan Rodgers is a good manager? He's... I like him. I think he's a good coach, but he's yet to prove if he's like a top, top, like top, top manager, isn't he? He's not really... Like Leicester, he's bottled the Champions League twice. Are you, ready for an, are you ready for another one, Dave? Go on, go on. He's like frozen pizza. Oh. It's good because it's pizza, but it's still not as good as the real stuff, is it? You know what I mean? Like, Brendan Rodgers is the most aggressively fine manager in the world. Aggressively like, fine. He's just like, he's just like, he's like, he, he'll give you a seven out of ten and then the occasional four. That's what he does. And we, it's we know he's. Least- in fairness. But we know he can't manage egos. Well documented. He well, look, never... I mean, fortunately, we don't have any of those at United. <laughs> no, no, none at United, particularly not a particular Portuguese either. Um, yeah, Delo. <laughs> <he's very laughs> I actually meant Delo. Um, you, you look at him at, you know, at Liverpool, he struggled to manage egos, particularly in the second season. Um, he's like you say, like for all the good work he's done at Leicester, I don't think you can just brush over the way his teams have collapsed in the second half yeah, of the season. I, I agree. Really collapsed as well. Like I mean, less so the, the second one, obviously they had the FA Cup run too, but and they had Europe, which all factors. But that first one, that first collapse, was a real, real deal. It was bizarre, completely. Um, so I don't understand the clamour for him. I think Ten Hag would be the probably the best appointment. Yeah. The fact some of the like none of us watched the the Dutch League week in week out. I can't even say it. Um, but what I would say is that that's good. That's good. Get you on the goal show. Um, some of the stuff I've seen from Ajax in the Champions League. Yeah. Has been so nice. impressive. They're so yeah. tactically smart and exciting to watch, and that's yeah, the kind of stuff you associate with. Mm-hmm. just good free-flowing football yeah I'd be happy with Ten Hag big time I think it's got to be like a long-term appointment and both Ten Hag and Poch would kind of fit that I think I don't understand the Poch thing no that would be a dis- not now I just you watch the, do you know the reason firstly I think I didn't mean to bring this up on the podcast I think social media has made us think that Poch is doing worse in Paris than he actually is like he's doing Really, like his numbers are really good, but he, he he doesn't look like a potch team because none of those front three are willing to press in the way that his teams are used to. And you know what striker doesn't want to press in the Premier League? Cristiano Ronaldo. And I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to him, but if he's if you play if you manager at Manchester United. Your game plan has now got to be bringing the best out of this ageing Cristiano Ronaldo who does not want to admit that he is actually past his prime. And it's going to be a real problem for the next manager to come in. And I just think if you employ a manager with an aggressive pressing strategy, 
it's never going to be as effective as possible because of Ronaldo. And the same does go to Ten Hag for a bit, which is why they will employ they will employ Zidane, and it will be boring, defensive. I do not want that. No win a tile. Not one bit. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay because the Daily Express is reporting <laughs> that Zidane's wife doesn't want to live in Manchester. Well, that's okay then. As far as I've heard, he's not interested in managing in the Prem at all. At all, shit. If Zidane's got any sense, he doesn't come and manage in the Premier League until Tuchel, Klopp and Pep Guardiola, managers who are better than him. Leave. Show him up, leave. Mm -hmm. There you are. I mean... I don't want to say it, Mike, but if United were truly brave, Grandpa, <laughs> just go and get go and get Harry Kane. Just go and buy. Just go and buy a Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> grandpa would trust our rock up to. <laughs> that would be this podcast's finest moment, I think. Would, uh, we'd have to be at the uh, unveiling. It'd be oh yeah, really fine when he gets Lewis Duncan to to combine with Maguire. Yeah, That's but... all Lewis Duncan is. Tall, taller than six one. Let me tell you. Like six foot four. Six foot four. Yeah, he's playing on the wing for the Oklahoma City Thunder at six four. He's he's six three. Two inches taller than Luke Shaw. I wouldn't believe it. Anyway, um, I look forward to um United announcing their new manager at nine o'clock on Tuesday morning before this podcast is out. It's all right. It'll only be the interim till the end of the season. He will then get a four-year deal. What's um? What's Carlos Quiroz doing there? I can't wait for them to bring in Wayne Rooney. I can't wait for it. My favourite thing is I saw Steve Bruce rumoured today, and I just thought Honestly, Steve... I was thinking this earlier. <laughs> Steve, Bruce keeps... Steve Bruce keeps failing upwards into jobs. That is hilarious. <laughs> there would be nothing funnier than Cristiano Ronaldo turning up to training, and he's he's like. <laughs> Do you remember that story earlier in the season about how Lee Grant wouldn't eat a cake because Ronaldo yeah. wouldn't eat a cake? Can you imagine walking into the canteen as Ronaldo on the first day and Steve Bruce is just Steve there with Bruce. a fully glazed ham? He's been the first <laughs> one to go so to this high drive through that Dave was sharing with us earlier. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Steve Bruce on the touchline of the Theatre of Dreams is hilarious. <laughs> he's just coming in he's coming into the he's coming into the media room just going we just don't have the resources to compete at this level <laughs> I'll tell you he'll somehow get this job it's Roberto Martinez he is made for this that would be very funny watch I, I, I think it's coming you know <laughs> for I don't know if we've ever really discussed how much me and you dislike Roberto Martinez on this podcast. I dislike him a lot also. It, I don't... Me, me and Mike threatened Maybe to Maybe not on the level you two hate cup. him, but I definitely don't like him. You really like when I watch him football in Belgium with the World Cup. Yeah, I am done if they win in Qatar. Yeah, anyway. My... I mean... The managerial thing is a really interesting question. It's going to be really interesting to see what United do. It's the um, second most interesting uh, United question other than uh, 
where's their preseason tour next year? Because it certainly won't be the United States. Um, Mike, if the people want, <laughs> if the if the people want to follow you, Mark, where can they follow you? Uh, at Mikey Preston on Twitter for any Joel Linton and takeaway updates. Takeaway updates. Dave, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you to see your new haircut? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. Uh, hashtag chili. The country or? <laughs> no, no, he's, he's hair. Dave, I need you to put um, up a picture of yourself on your Twitter with the hashtag second screen experience, please. You see, I, I can't, Will, because I might freeze whilst I try and take the selfie. Uh, yeah. Luckily, ladies and gentlemen, I snapped one earlier while we started. No, uh... So keep an eye out for that. If you want to find that, it's at Will Hunt 17. But please instead, follow us on all the socials at In and Around Pod, including MUTV. Um, oh, where the you... farewell interview can be found. Yeah, for Dave's hair. Um, <laughs> Mike, how's the betting pod going? All right, yeah, we've had a couple of weeks break to uh, to regroup. So yeah. we'll be back this week. Don't worry about it. It was not going well. Are you going to be betting on the next United manager? Uh, I doubt it. No, I'll probably jinx something. I didn't think so. Either. Then we'll end up with Roberto Martinez. Yeah. Um, full slate of Champions League fixtures this week. Um, which one are you What's guys that? most interested for? Ooh. Well, I certainly don't want to watch the Man U Villarreal game. <laughs> the Dan Juma derby. Mainly because he's up against Salo. Uh, let's have a little look. Liverpool, Porto, no. Uh, City PSG is the big one. Yeah, City PSG is the one for me. Yeah, it's the big game. Who have you got winning that one? Should be in Manchester to thrash out his new deal at United. So it's, it's all going to go great guns. Could very well be. Um, personally, I'm looking forward to Chelsea Juventus, but they are. I was thinking Chelsea Juve is interesting because Chelsea, you need to win that really, don't you, to to try and get on top of the group. So. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they take to the final. Doesn't matter. According to Mike Breslin, we're we're going batter back. Is what he told me earlier this season. Yeah, and if you think this podcast is bad now, <laughs> could you imagine that podcast? It's just me playing Call in the Gang think, Celebration for ninety minutes. I think we will have to retire. Uh... Um, picks of the week, um, other than that, footballers, of course, Chelsea TV's Porto Uncovered, where you can get behind the scenes into how we broke every Hodgson's heart. Until next week, sayonara. Sayonara, Sayonara, everybody. Sayonara.